0: Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio.
2: Good Morning Football! Is he in? Yes! Touchdown, Houston! And it's intercepted, pick six. Rock and
3: roll, touchdown, Texans.
0: Sack.
4: they got him on Claude Fleming, the sack machine. Pry-time Fleming, pry-time Fleming, a good game. Damian Pierce, 75 yards. Leading in, Gets it, it's a touchdown for A.J. Brown. Watch the fly line, how's
2: it? You may now officially say the 7-0 Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, 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 uh. Let's make it eight.
5: Feels good when you can put some music into some great editing and you get a great matchup with an undefeated team on Thursday Night Football. Lots to look forward to. Welcome inside Good Morning Football, our final hour presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky live here in New York City. That game played tonight in Houston. It's Thursday, November 3rd. I'm Jamie Erdahl. It's Peter Schrager across the table from me. Two Super Bowl champions to my left and my right, Jason McCourty, Sean O'Hara, Sean, how did, do you feel like you have to have a different creative juice when you sit in Kyle's chair?
2: Yeah, the seat's pretty hot. Oh. Um, I feel yeah, like he runs uh, hot. I feel like when you're over here, the creative energy just starts rolling. Mm. You just all of a sudden <laughs> I feel like I want to break some stuff, you know? Mm. Like play me some limp biscuit. Like, yeah, I'm
6: channeling <laughs> Kyle's inner energy. you right. start breaking stuff, they're yeah. gonna payroll deduct you, so I don't know if uh, yeah. I don't know. I, feel oh. like, I
2: don't know, maybe it's the angry run stuff. Take
6: it, it out of Kyle's like paycheck.
1: Yeah. Seeping out of the chair. Right, exactly. I
5: don't know. Doing all right. Peter, you know him best. Would he have been offended by a limp biscuit reference just now? No, he would have leaned in and would
3: reference like you know oh, dirty
5: deep cut yeah
3: deep cut deep cut limp like, biscuit. like 2020's limp biscuit he yeah. would have referenced oh, like, yeah. behind <laughs> blue
5: eyes well we're just gonna have to wait till we see him in munich to hear about yes. that uh until then it's time for the lead block uh it's time now for throwdown thursday we're gonna keep it eagles texans which you can see on uh tonight prime video and it's available on nfl plus These two teams have some really exciting young running backs. But if you had to pick, who has the bigger game tonight? Is it Miles Sanders or Houston's rookie, Damian Pierce, out of Peter Ware?
3: University of Florida. Gators. Um, Penn State versus Florida in this matchup. Houston versus Philadelphia. Lots of places to think. I go to the line of scrimmage, and I think the Eagles being on a short week And going up against the league's worst rush defense is going to just pound the ball right down the throats of the Houston Texans. Sorry, it's just what I see. And I think Miles Sanders is going to be a part of that. I think Miles Sanders is going to have a big game, but I also think Jalen Hurts might have a big game with his feet. I think Boston Scott might get some carries. I think Kenneth Gainwell might get some carries. This is one of those games that screams to me, 23-3, 23-3, to final score. Eagles just destroy the Texans. They run the ball right down their throat. The game takes about two hours out. Michael's on his flight back to L.A. Uh, by the time uh, we're ready to go to bed. So, I'm going to say this. Short game, run game, nothing spectacular through the air. Not a ton of fireworks from the Texans who look like they're, you know, done. Um, and I'm going to go with uh, Miles Sanders All over this team Get after it Miles
5: Sunshine or rainbows Peter Sunshine us go or rainbows. No, I'm not going to hype a game you. I
3: don't
6: think it's going to be a bl-
2: uh, bl-
3: 23 a to 3
6: 23-3 to three is my, my prediction. My goodness. Uh, I'm not going to go far off that. Yes, I do think can't all be well. They can't all be t- uh, panthers Falcons. okay? I'm sorry. No, this no, one no. won't be. We're talking, we, think about it. We're talking about the Thursday night preview. All we've talked about today is Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. There's not much going on in Houston right now other than the fact that Brandon Cooks is unhappy. So, there yes, a I, I am going with Miles Sanders as well <laughs> to have a big game. A lot of it is because the Philadelphia Eagles and their defense and their front with Fletcher Cox, with Hargrave, with all of these guys. They're going to get after Houston. Not going to allow them to do anything. They're going to force Davis Mills to have to throw the ball. And yes, Philadelphia Eagles, they run away with it. And uh, you said twenty-three to three. I'll go thirty to three. Thirty to three. We're we're talking twenty
3: point wins here, Sean. Yeah. Wow, sounds like a drubbery right now. If
6: you're
2: the Texans, you should watch this show. We're just crushing you. Yeah, a little motivation right yeah. there. You're Lovie Smith. Hey, this is what they're saying about you. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going with Miles Sanders, too. This is not much of a throwdown if we're all agreeing, right? This is, Miles Sanders, when you look at what this defense just gave up the week before, right? just picture this. All right. The Tennessee Titans are coming to town. Derrick Henry, you know he's going to get the football. Ryan Tannehill's not playing, so is Malik Willis. Malik Willis threw like five passes in the entire game, all right? And yet they could not stop Derrick Henry, 219 yards rushing last week. He had 124 in the first half. So I think Miles Sanders has a big night. I will say this. I don't think Miles Sanders plays into the fourth quarter. So that could diminish some of his numbers because I think he's on the sidelines eating sunflower seeds and chilling out because, to your point, I think that this is a very one-sided contest. This is one of those games that you almost hate playing as a player because – you're such a you're such a favorite, and you go in, and Houston just can't do anything right right now. So for Philly, the pressure's are kind of on them. Like, hey, we can't go out here and, and start out slow on a short week and then try to and let this team kind of hang around. Derek Henry, four straight games, 200 yards rushing against the Houston Texans. Yeah, he's dominating.
6: And you're going with?
5: Damian Pierce. Yes! yes! Turn off the volume, go. Damian Pierce. Listen, um, Kenneth Walker is great for Seattle, but Damian Pierce is still leading all NFL rookies in rush yards. 539 rushing yards. To me, I don't I don't I'm not gonna lean into the narrative of what this game is gonna turn into or how it could look. I think if you're Damian Pierce and you're a rookie running back, this is, a sh- this is a tryout for you. This is an audition. This is a make a name for yourself within this offense that potentially could be without Brandon Cooks. Go to Lovey Smith. Go to the play callers and say, hey, you know a couple of those plays that you have in the playbook where I come out of the backfield and catch a ball? Sign me up, coach. I'll do anything tonight. looks like you need a pair of hands within this passing game. I can do it. I'll try to do it all. None of this uh, you can take me out by the end of the third quarter. I want to rush for over 150 yards. I want to score a touchdown or two. All right, fine. One touchdown, and uh, you know, Damian Pierce, you have an opportunity here to make a slice for yourself on the Thursday night football pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I want to
6: do a lot of things too, but yeah, can't do it. Okay. Okay. No, no, no Jordan it's, Davis might help him. Even
5: if they even if they lose, he can still have like yeah, a great game true. statistically. So, bigger game was the question for Throwdown Thursday. That's throw something. <laughs> in. Not who's winning. <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, um, okay, so two cities taking the field tonight. They have legendary head coaches. Who is the more iconic one that comes to mind, though? For the Eagles, it is Buddy Ryan, former head coach and a defensive coordinator of the legendary 85 Bears. Or are you going to go way back to the Oilers days? And Bum Phillips, uh, who coached six years with the Oilers and had or 10-win seasons. Peter, his, his, our historical reference context, Neither
3: one of them won a Super Bowl with the teams as head coach, though. Love You Blue was an unbelievable era for Bum Phillips. However, they were up against the Steelers and, of course, the Raiders during that entire time, and they never could get over the hump. Buddy Ryan was in the NFC East when it was the Giants and Washington winning Super Bowls during that era. I'm going to go with Bum. I'm going to go with Bum Phillips and the hat and the look and the whole deal. And, of course... You go with this outfit here, and you're like, that's iconic. That's how it's done. I would love to see an NFL head coach rock these attires mm-hmm. in NFL in 2022. Lovey Smith's got a great beard and a great way about him. I would love for Lovey to come out with a cowboy hat and a and a, in a, in a Lovey Blue outfit tonight to kind of shake things up. Awesome. I'm going bum. Also worth noting here, Buddy Ryan's two kids, Rex and Rob, went into mm-hmm. coaching. Buddy uh, Bum's kid Wade Phillips went into coaching. I think it's very cool to see the family ties to all of it to the modern game. Uh, but I think Bum Phillips, and it's it's to me that's an iconic look. And if I didn't rock it for
6: Halloween two years ago, I'd rock it every single year because it's mm-hmm. that going to look. I love that. I'm going Bum Phillips as well. I told you guys I was down in Tennessee for the Oilers-Titans reunion. Dan Pastoroni, Alvin Bethea, a lot of guys, uh, those guys were there. They were talking about the old days and what it was like, and Bum Phillips was the coach of those teams. Yes, the Love You Blue era. They talked about losing that game to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They didn't get a call that should have been a touchdown pass, and it wiped all the momentum out. And Bum Phillips, everything he represented, the relationships with his players. You see him right there with Earl Campbell. That was something that was important to him. And then he just has some great one-liners. He said there's two kinds of coaches. Them that's fired and them that's gonna be fired. There's two kinds of players. One that ain't worth a damn and the other ones that only do what the coach tells them. Okay, <laughs> Bum Phillips, I love it. Some great quotes, some great one-liners. And like you said, the cowboy hat was just fantastic. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I'm going to put all the pressure now on Jamie because I'm going Bum Phillips as well. <laughs> I'll do it. The, the attire itself, uh, I think, you know, the coaches are always so streamlined, right? And it's like, hey, I'm representing the team. Bum was like, no, I'm rocking this hat, right? This is who I am. I'm rocking the jeans. I'm rocking the button-up shirt. I love the style that he had. I love the bravado. And, look, when you look at, at, at what he represented for the Houston Oilers, I, I love that he was not scared to fight back. All right? You mentioned quotes. One of his other quotes was, the Dallas Cowboys might be America's team, but the Houston Oilers are Texas' team. Mm. All right? Them is fighting words right there down mm. in Texas. Mm. And it's funny because you look at that attire we're talking about with him. All right? The Cowboys, they, you know, they had Tom Landry. At one point, who was buttoned up, suit and tie. I mean, he mm-hmm. was very proper. Um, but I like Bum Phillips. I'm glad you. Uh, Look at that! Oh, oh yes. Yes. Look at that.
5: that! was me. That's uh, that's creation. our GMB, GMB right version of Bum, right there. of Bum
2: Phillips right there. There's Schrager. That candy got destroyed. That day. Sporting the Stetson <laughs> the B version, hat. The, B version. Oh. the Stetson hat oh, and point. the uh, is that the Dutton uh, jacket right there? Yeah. You mentioned uh, Wade Phillips. Yeah. Uh, Wes Phillips also. a yeah, uh, uh, Great coach. Uh, Wade Phillips. You got to love the fact that. Um, you know, when when he was he coached for the Cowboys, yeah. his dad's talking trash about all stuff. Uh, I love the family connection and Wade Phillips. His Twitter handle, son of a bomb. Yeah, love a great it. Twitter, Twitter follow. Great Twitter of handle.
5: I'll I'll go, buddy Ryan, um, to just bring it back full circle and the fact that it is Throwdown Thursday. Someone's have to go throw down for the other side. I but I, I did lean into the family tree and I'm a little bit more like Rob and Rex Ryan. Uh, look, at, I mean, contextually. It's a lot of great hair going on in this photo. Uh, the smiles on the gentlemen's faces. Look at the Ryan family. I mean, I love the co- I love a good coaching family tree, and there's nothing beyond the Phillips family. It's just that uh, Rob and Rex Ryan in pop culture references have much more significance in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Buddy Ryan. But then when I, upon further research of one Buddy Ryan and his, my appreciation for his impact on the 85 Bears, he was the defensive line coach for the Purple People Leaders with the Vikings a couple years career. prior, uh, I, which is great. Like Anytime I can bring that full circle.
3: Very controversial moment yeah. in Chicago Bears history when all the Bears were carrying Buddy Ryan on their shoulders after the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Mike Ditka also, but buddy the defensive coordinator was getting all the love and that led to some of the friction that sent him over to Philadelphia.
6: My brother came out for the draft and got a workout with Rob and Rex Ryan. We're both there and he talked about they were just reliving college days talking about stories and obviously as identical twins seeing those guys was a really cool thing.
5: That's like that's the exact thing I would think what would happen if you were just like around (laughs) Rob and Rex Ryan. Absolutely. Coming up on Good Morning Football we've got a Super Bowl champion turned Thursday night football analyst joining our show. Andrew Whitworth will break down. On tonight's matchup straight ahead. Let's see if he knows a thing or two about the run game and who might pop off.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day.
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J.
3: Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Welcome back to Good Morning Football. Our next guest traded in his shoulder pads for a microphone after the 2021 season. He played 16 years in the NFL. Please welcome girl dad, friend of the show, all-pro Super Bowl champion, and a Thursday night football analyst, our friend Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, What's, Whit- Whit- What's going on? Good morning. Good morning. I know it's early in Houston, so thanks for hanging with us. Uh, Wait, last Thursday night you had an amazing dad moment, which is why you're wearing the girl dad sweatshirt. But your kids, your boys, got to meet Lamar Jackson and take a picture with him. You guys are having some cool experiences on that set with these players and your kids. Tell us about what's going on here.
4: You know, it's been a lot of fun. I think it's one of the coolest parts of getting to play this game is the fraternity and brotherhood that we have. Uh, throughout the NFL so for the boys that get to come with me have an opportunity one of their favorite players in the league to get a picture with them Lamar was so cool to them Uh, it was a really cool moment for me but that's why I'm rocking the girl dad sweatshirt because the girls are jealous now they want their op so who knows we'll see what the schedule holds maybe a little New York trip and see the Rockettes or something I got I got to find something for them
3: Beyonce is from Houston. You could have handled that this weekend. You could have. Oh, uh, right. That would have been a real easy Maybe solution. Maybe a Rihanna Super Bowl. thing. knock on knock the door. An ultimate uh, moment. Hey, yeah, I've uh, set the bar this high. I need to get a little bit higher. Oh, yeah, no, not going to happen tonight. <laughs> um, we, we love having you on the show. Thank you. The game is, of course, tonight on Amazon Prime Video. It's Eagles at Texans. Philly looking to go 8 0. You have been one of these guys who, when you were at the Rams, you guys are sometimes playing teams with inferior records. How do you not look past this team? How do you not look to the next game? What's the conversation in Philly as they go and take on a team that quite honestly is coming limping in after a bunch of losses and quite a weird situation with Brandon Cooks?
4: Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game for the Texans just for the – you really, you look at things going around that organization right now with the players, the trades, all that that didn't happen. Uh, But also, this Philly team, I think they're led by two of the best in Kelsey and Lane Johnson. And then on the other side, Brandon Graham and these guys, you know, up front. I think when you look at that veteran leadership, some guys that have been in the position of winning, won a Super Bowl, I think that, that they're going to be just fine. They're going to show up and they're going to be ready to go tonight. You know, but I think really when you talk about this team, you know, we're all trying to find reasons to say that they shouldn't be as good. Like, man, maybe it's the weak schedule that we really don't know enough about them or they don't go to the West Coast a lot, you know, or they haven't played as good in the second half. We're all searching for reasons, but I think when you're built, built really well up front and you got the skilled players they have, this team's gonna be there in the end. Uh, I just believe it.
6: Yeah, you talked about as a, a team winning a lot of games, going against a team that's struggling. Nick Sariani may be trying to find ways to amp this Houston Texans team up. And one way may be to look at the two rookies that are playing some really good football this year. Damian Pierce on the offensive side of the ball and Derek Stingley Jr. on the defensive side of the ball. What have you seen out of those guys that should have Houston Texans fans fired up about their future?
4: Well, you know, I love talking about another LSU uh, fraternity brother right there. And Derek Stingley, of course, uh, you know, I love watching this guy, man, so smooth and athletic. I think he's going to have a great career and uh, he's going to be somebody really special at this Texans defense is going to have to build around. And so they're going to need him not only play well, to be good on the, but be good for a leadership position as well as he goes through. But then on the other side, Damian Pierce is so fond to watch, man. You talk about a guy that's hard to get on the ground and just runs with explosiveness and has been somebody really productive of them for them. Quickly. I hope they build around him and keep them in mind that what this guy's capable of, they've got to build this offense around his abilities and his opportunities, and that's going to make them go. Wayne,
2: well, we love seeing you on Thursday night, and I love, I'm sure you love the fact that you get to work Thursday night, but then you also get to be home on Sundays with the fam, with the girls, with the boys, with the kids. That's part of the whole retirement thing, right? But the problem is you got to watch football on Sunday. And your former squad, all right, the defending Super Bowl champions, Rams, with a big game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, obviously the Bucs uh, got eliminated thanks to the Rams last year in the divisional round. Both teams, I feel like, are kind of – they're both struggling to find their groove and find their rhythm. What do you think the Bucs and the Rams need to do to kind of turn the season around?
4: Yeah, you really look at this game. It's it's uh, two teams that seem to have their heads down and, and are open a little bit. You know, I mean, they've been beat up. They've had some injuries. Both of them probably, uh, just like we all predicted, you know, uh, <laughs> to be at this point. we Everyone thought these two teams would be competing in the NFC championship, possibly, not where they are right now. So it's about the team to me that just says, hey, forget all the feelings and emotions of what we are in disappointment. Who wants to sign up to go play football, play physical, get after it and change the season, put their foot in the ground and let's do something different from this point forward and forget everything that's happened to this point. I think that's going to really be the telling thing for these two teams because both of them are going to have veteran quarterbacks who've had success, rosters that can win, but can you show it and can you do it? Can Both of them bad running games. Can we fix the running game? Can we be more effective on on offense, throwing the football down the field? I think it's an interesting matchup because one of these two teams, I believe, is going to turn it around and find a way to sneak itself in the playoffs.
5: Witt, in the same light, what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals?
4: Oh, man, it's a team that just pulls at you every week, right you you're you're so excited one week you're like, oh man, this might they might be the best offense in the league in the next coming weeks if they stay on this trajectory. And then the next thing you know you're you're worried about what in the world were we doing? What was the plan? Are we going to run the ball at all? Uh, you know, I I think it's been tough. I think they've been trying to find themselves a little bit. Sometimes we forget these teams that make Super Bowl runs, and I think they're a great example. They created a lot of turnovers, and they had a lot of explosive plays on their way to the Super Bowl last year. But then this year, they've kind of tried to just go back to the same rhythm of just making the big, long, splash plays, Joe Burrow throwing it, uh, you know, to Jamar Chase. You lose him, you lose that ability. But they just don't seem to have a plan of how they can run the football and stay efficient on offense without just using explosives to get down the field but i'll tell you this just like their locker room said i'll say the same thing with number nine at quarterback i believe they always have a chance and so i think it's going to be a tough road for them to make the playoffs at this point with the injuries and where they are Um, but with number nine there's always an opportunity
3: Wit, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here because I've got a source, a mutual friend of ours, who told me to ask you something that you would never bring up by yourself. Uh, Saturday's going to be a significant day, and it's uh, LSU, Alabama, and there might be something going down. Do you mind sharing with the audience what's happening when the Tigers take on the Crimson Tide in their annual bout? Wit.
4: Yeah, I'm getting the opportunity to go back to LSU and uh, be a part of LSU, Alabama, Saturday night. It's going to be a fun game, be a guest captain, uh, get honored down there on the field just for the last year the Super Bowl, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So it's going to be really fun, just a chance to get back. It's been a long time since I have really, uh, since I had my kids, we haven't traveled as much during the season and uh, it'll be my first time back in probably almost 11, 12 years. So I'm looking forward to a chance to get down to Death Valley. I think our own Kirk Street's actually going to be there calling the game. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for me and my friends and fam to get down there and enjoy a little uh, SEC football in uh, the month of November.
3: Go Tigers. Yeah, well, we're joined by uh, obviously Jamie Erdahl, who is working the sidelines in all of those games. So you will represent our table there. Usually Jamie was the one mm. who would be in the building. You are now, Wit, And I'm going to ask you one last question because you've got Twitter ablaze every single Thursday night. There is a look. There is a hoodie and a suit jacket look that has Twitter going ham. Um, did you go into this season thinking you were gonna come a fashion statement icon slash idol, or has this thing just taken on a life of its own? Every single Thursday night I check Twitter, no one's talking about their fantasy team. I'm talking about Whitworth's wardrobe. How did this come about?
4: You know, it was just something I I like to pull off every now and then. When I'd go to dinner, I love throwing on a good hoodie and like a nice jacket, you know? And so it was my style. And I I threw it on one day when we were talking about what we were going to wear. And they're like, you know what? This is just you. And uh, I went with it. And my, my favorite moment so far from it is when we had Joe Burrow on the set in Cincinnati. He was looking at me the entire time and I couldn't figure out what he wanted to say. And afterwards he said, hey, I got on set. I wanted to hate on you for the hoodie jacket look the entire time we were sitting there. And he said, by the end of the the interview I was like you know what that looks pretty good actually he said hey listen don't don't take it away from me but I might pull that off this season so I'm still waiting on Joe Burrow come on baby step up rock the look the hoodie and the sport coat let's go
5: I mean if it was Kyler Murray it would be a neon green hoodie sport yes. coat situation so I yeah, think Burrow, we might like see it volleyball. run it back with some of these quarterbacks hold, now, right? <laughs> the Andrew, hold worth. maybe you should don't try that don't tempt me with a good time uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, take it to Baton Rouge, Witt. All right. <laughs> yes. Have a fantastic weekend. It was awesome catching up with you, man. And congratulations on that. Enjoy your weekend at LSU. Love you, Wit. <sighs>
4: right, thank Whit. you so much. Love well, well y'all. Appreciate you.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better.
5: Back on Good Morning Football, the NFL's international series continues in Week 10 with the Buccaneers and Seahawks playing in Germany. And we're going to be there. Good Morning Football will be live from Munich in Marienplatz across from the Glockenspiel. Yes, you heard all that right. <laughs> Starting on Monday and all week long, leading up to commitment, Jason, it's commitment to the art. Uh, leading up to the NFL's first ever game in Germany is Brady and the Bucks, It's Gino and the Seahawks. That game will be played November 13th, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, right here on NFL Network. And NFL Plus.
3: Yeah, that's the Seahawks Mm -hmm. taking on the Buccaneers, Mm -hmm. and the Seahawks just got done beating the New York Giants, who now are in the bye week. Giants are six and two, and are off. Um, I took advantage of that moment. Mm. The GM Joe Shane, who does not do a lot of in-season media, agreed to do the season with Peter Schrager, my podcast, and we talked for forty minutes about all things Giants but also all things his career, his time in Buffalo, his experience with Parcells, and the one clip that's getting a lot of buzz right now because of a quarterback in contract purgatory is
7: him talking on Daniel Jones. Here's what he had to say. Daniel, Daniel's tough. He's competitive. Another guy who does everything he can to maximize his ability. He's in here really. Again, it's our it's our off day. The players are off. I, I saw him in there at 7.30 this morning at breakfast. So he, he's a gym rat. He's always around. Uh, He's going to do whatever he can, like I said, to to maximize his ability. So he's played well. You know, I know the big story out there is the fourth quarter comebacks. I mean, that's that's legit. You know, one of the the drives I think about was when we were in London against Green Bay, we had a 15 play drive for a touchdown. Saquon got hurt on the first play. So, you know, Saquon's out for the other. You know, he went seven for eight on the drive and the the incompletion was a was a throwaway. So um, he's taking care of the football. We're not turning it over and you know again we've had you know now we've got a couple injuries on the offensive line we've had some injuries a receiver um unfortunately it's a little bit of a revolving door with with who he's throwing to and that's just kind of where we are based on you know the salary cap and where we were in the off season but um you'll never hear the guy complain and you know he, he's playing well for us
3: all right so they're at the halfway mark of the season they're on the bye, and here's daniel jones with no contract beyond this season I put it out here with a former Giants legend, with our two fellow co-hosts here. Do you think Giants quarterback Daniel Jones has done enough to be deemed the
2: face of the Giants at quarterback moving forward after this season? Yeah, I think he's done enough. And I think the, the challenge before the season started and when they hired Brian Dable and, and Joe Shane, it was, all right, we got to get the most out of Daniel Jones – Man, if you're a Giants fan sitting here right now, like, are you not impressed with how, being six and two and with the way that Daniel Jones has played? Daniel Jones has been the punching bag for for New York fans for the last couple of years, and some of it deservedly so. But but the quarterback always gets too much credit and too much blame. When you look at what Daniel Jones has been doing, all right, and it's awesome what you just showed, talking with with Joe Shane, and he just broke it all down, like the game-winning drives, and and he showed the the London highlights. And this is what I want to show you. In in addition to all that, Daniel Jones is at a different leading receiver every week of the season. What you're seeing right now, all right, Shepard, week one was the leading receiver, and then boom, that's it. You don't see him again. He's on IR. He's out. Kenny Galladay's been out almost all year. Every week it was Richard James, Daniel Bellinger, rookie. Then it was Slayton. Daniel Jones is winning football games with, with a receiving core that no other quarterback in the NFL is having to deal with right now. So I look at the way Daniel Jones is taking care of the football. I look at look he's not throwing for 350 yards. He's not doing what putting up numbers that Mahomes and Josh Allen and two are putting up. I don't think they would put up numbers like they're putting up if they had this receiving core. And I'm not trying to throw shade on the receiving core. I'm just, I'm looking at Daniel Jones and I'm saying one of the reasons that they loved him coming out of Duke was because he, he had a, a shoddy offensive line down at Duke. He didn't have a lot of big-time receivers, and yet he found a way to win games. And that's what you're seeing from Daniel Jones. He's not throwing for 40 yards. That's not his game. I think when you look at what Daniel Jones has done, in the fourth quarter with the game on the line, He's played his best football. That's what you want out of your quarterback. That's what you pay him for. You don't pay him for first and second quarter. You pay him for can you win the game when he needs to on the fourth quarter? He's got five game winning drives this season alone in the fourth quarter. So that's what they're looking at with DJ.
6: Yeah, I agree. I think he's done enough. I remember in offseason we said they have to win games because of Daniel Jones. And he's done that. He's gone out there, he's made clutch plays to win games. And on top of that, you heard what Joe Shane said this guy's in the building. First, he's doing everything he can. I remember I went on a visit to the New York Giants last year. Daniel Jones happened to be in the building. He walks in. The first thing he asks me is, how can I get better? Hmm. What are some things as a veteran? What did you do to stay You're in You're a free the agent assault? visiting, and that's free what he says? Free agent visiting. He walks in, sits down, and talks with me for 10 minutes, this young quarterback. What did so you tell him? Uh, a lot of stuff. Stuff that's helping him succeed this year. And, yeah, so it was all because of me. Sign, <laughs> sign me was the first thing you said. Yeah. I can help you get better. That was a mental contract. It wasn't that great. Okay. But uh, <laughs> on top of that, I think when you say, oh, do we want to give him a massive deal to become a starting quarterback? You look to the free agents this offseason, who the quarterbacks are that are going to be available. And as you look at this list, we don't know whether Tom Brady's going to be playing next year or not. Lamar Jackson on that list, obviously he pops off. The Ravens would be crazy to not franchise him and let him walk out the door. So you guys tell me, well, who do you want to give the $100 million contract to that you just look at and you say, well, they're head and shoulders above Daniel Jones and when they walk in the door, yes, they're going to take us to the Super Bowl and they're going to be our guy. I don't know if you see a name on that list that you feel a ton more confident in than Daniel Jones because he's showing you. Draft a guy. You can still bring Daniel Jones back and draft a guy. He'll be on a rookie contract for four years. So, yes, you can still draft a guy, develop him. And the way NFL contracts are, you can give Daniel Jones a contract that has an out after two, maybe three years, and this guy steps in and becomes your guy. Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance was a guy yeah. this year. It has been done. So, to me, yes, you pay Daniel Jones. You bring him back because now you go into next year and you feel confident, okay, we have a quarterback. We can draft a guy, develop him, and when he's ready, we can insert him into the starting lineup.
5: I'm still in a holding pattern with this one. I was unsure about it coming into this season anyways and kind of the how could he convince people that he was the guy. And I think he's done a lot, but I, I'm i just still not quite there. And I think it actually helps him to kind of be in this uh, to be compared to Zach Wilson just in this market, and the fact that, like, well, look at what Daniel Jones is doing versus, and his development versus Zach Wilson. So I, I just, there's still a lot of football left to be played, I think, against a lot of really good teams in that division in particular. So I think he's trending in the right way. But the guy, capital T, capital G, I'm still not quite sold on Daniel Jones and his future, knowing what you're going to have to pay him. Yeah. But credit Joe Shane for going on a trade deadline Tuesday <laughs> on the season with Peter Schrager. That's what
3: they do. Yeah. That's what these GMs what and coaches do. do. They want to get on the show. Uh, <laughs> I'll say real quickly, $100 million for a quarterback right now is like a penny in the bucket. Oh these gosh. guys are making $200 to million. Yeah. And I don't know how ownership can sell. If they go like 10-7 and 7 or they win 11 games, there's no way ownership can sell. We're starting over a quarterback. Yeah. Again, yeah. I think True. Daniel
2: Jones has done The Second half of the season is, is big. It's huge. Yeah. Got to make the playoffs. It's big for Saquon. I mean, he's he's looking for. You his know who else is too. big? Will Self is big. Well, take all take all right? Let's go what, with
3: the what's news. What's going on? That's a good Giants conversation. What do you got, Will?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, the Giants. They were on a bye week. You know who else was on a bye week? Those Cowboys and the Cowboys. We're certainly in the mix when it came to talking about the wide receiving core and how they would upgrade it. Of course, nothing came to fruition during the NFL trade deadline day. Executive Vice President and CEO of the Cowboys, Stephen Jones, talked about how they were looking to add some firepower to that wide receiver room. Uh, we were probably, you know, for the most part looking in an obvious area uh, where, you know, people might think we could use a, a little more help there. Uh, but I still like that. Uh, I, I like our crew there. I like uh, I like CD. I like uh, I like Gallup. I like Noah. I like uh, uh, I think Tolbert's coming. And then uh, certainly, as I mentioned, we have guys that are uh, on the IR that can uh, come off that as well. In particular, James Washington, who's a veteran in this league, uh, certainly can bring help. And then if uh, you never know what other opportunities might arise out there, if we feel like there's an upgraded situation there. Could that upgraded situation possibly include the pursuit of Odell Beckham Jr.? Still sidelined as he recovers from a torn ACL. Well, the Cowboys would have to get in line when it comes to OBJ, as Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, says they could be interested in his services as well. OBJ's
4: a heck of a talent. You know, where he was drafted, obviously, he had the the great catch. And, you know, he might have been the MVP of that Super Bowl, does he not? You know, tear the ACL. Uh, really unfortunate for a lot of things for him to have to, re, you know, re-tear that. But um, <clears throat> he's a heck of a player. You know, everybody in this room knows who OBJ is, and so I don't have to tell you guys. And again, you know me. If if we think he can help this team, um, we'd be crazy not to at least look into
0: it. You go into your shower feeling